silky swans suck life out of tired tigers as they flail after being floored by 45. Saints need help from God after Essendon gave them a royal commission on how to play with effort. The Roos look wretched after getting wrecked by big dog bully bulldogs. Lions ask for miracle as Christ re-emerges inside Zach Bailey, while cats curtail hungry hawks in the Monday Easter Classic. And finally, Bruce and Tex kick bags as they resurrect themselves from AFL Media Crucifixion. Hey, and uh, welcome to AFL by Dummies for another week. Uh, it's been a long week in football, starting from Thursday and ending on Monday. My name is Tom Kreiser, and beside me is Alex Henry. Alex, how have you found this week in football? Tom, I said to you several days ago that I think this is one of the best rounds of football we've had in years, and that continues to be the case. I mean, not only did we have several classics, a game decided after the siren, we had some big key forwards doing some big jobs, some midfielders getting big numbers, and overall just highlights from all over the weekend. So I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's been, it was an amazing, amazing week for uh, multiple reasons. So what's your first winner from last round? Look, Tom, I know that normally I would give you the opportunity to go for Sydney and you can have Sydney in general if you want, but my winner is Tom Hickey because that man <laughs> has reinvented himself. There was a lot of talk about Lockie Fogarty being the bargain of the AFL offseason, but Tom Hickey was an absolute steal for the Swans. He comes in, he runs harder than just about any ruckman in the competition. He gets it done all over the field. He's an absolute star and he's one of the reasons they keep winning games. Yeah, one of the recruits of the year. Um, my winner is definitely, oh, I I think it's Essendon, just from the position that they were last week to the performance that they put up now. There's also a few clubs in that in that situation, but it was like on a level close to North Melbourne at the end of last week after losing three three of their first maybe top six players um, to come out with a performance like that and actually show effort and, you know, skill and a little glimpse of the future. Oh, um, it's got to put a lot of faith back into the Essendon, Essendon faithful. Now for my first loser, there were a lot of teams that I thought were pretty pathetic over the weekend and I'm sure we'll get to them later. But one that kind of slipped under the radar a little bit was Port Adelaide. Uh, their first half against West Coast was just not up to the mark. It it kind of gave you the fear that if they went over there in finals, they wouldn't be able to handle it. Look, every team has a bad result every now and again. We've seen that from Richmond on the weekend. But the way West Coast just beat them up inside the ball through the magic of Natanui, and Lysette is just not that kind of player. It gives you worry that come deep into finals, their lack of a real ruck option to give them first choice football is going to really hurt them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think my loser for this week, oh, there's quite a, a few. Um, I'm going to go uh, as a player as well, also in the same game. Um, Luke Shuey, if you don't know, he played, he was on a minutes restriction um, after doing a soft tissue injury in the preseason um, and 10 minutes before the end of the game, he redoes his hamstring and will be on the sidelines for at least another five to six weeks. Um, after 
you know, being probably the best on ground equal to Nick Nat. Um, it's a really, really unlucky position to be in for the West Coast captain. And we do all wish him well because, you know, he's one of the stars of the competition and we want him playing good footy and it just makes the, the competition a better a better game when he's up and about. Um, so hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. Yeah, he looked absolutely terrific in his first game back and it looked like he was just ready to take the game by storm again. It's so unfortunate. Yeah, so unlucky. And now to our main story. In a week of prayer for many, there was a lot to be thankful for. Jesus may have died somewhere around 2,000 years ago, but his spirit was with the football gods this weekend. The first Easter miracle wasn't Gary Ablett Jr. being born. It was Collingwood losing by one point after the siren. The Lions were forced to stay in Melbourne as one of Australia's holiest sites, Brisbane, went through lockdown. The game had to be moved to Docklands at the last minute which is one of the least religious sites in the country, sparked a lot of protests within the clergy. However, the footy gods felt particularly giving this week as Zach Bailey kicked a goal after the siren to win the game. And while the cliche, a week is a long time in football, is more outplayed than the commentator saying every boy's dream, the footy proverb rang true. It was only one week ago that Bailey was not given the correct call to seal the Geelong game at GMHBA Stadium as he was deemed not pious enough by Sir Gillen and the Knights of the Oval Table. It must be sad for the Magpies, though, as a solid performance last week sparked hope into the supporters' eyes, much like having faith in something that probably doesn't exist. Like Eddie in leadership positions at the club. While for the average supporter, the Pies losing after the siren may be enough to save your religion, a second miracle occurred. The Tigers got belted at their own church by a group of meddling kids wearing red and white. And no, we are talking about a couple of priests in a blender. The Sydney Swans delivered a performance only matched by that pastor at Harry and Megan's wedding and marched into top four contention. Some say it's the hiring of former advocate to a pseudo-religious camp, Don Pike, that caused the meteoric rise. As deeply spiritual men, we here at AFL by Dummies don't believe in medias, so we think it has something to do with the Swans Academy for Witchcraft and Wizardry. Tigers coach Damien Hardwick was visibly frustrated on the weekend, but sources close to us at AFL by Dummies headquarters believe that he may have broken one of the Ten Commandments, and that's why his team got absolutely mauled by a flock of children. Yes, they were two epic games over the weekend, Tom. In particular, I asked you last week, and now we must address it now. I said, if Sydney win on the weekend, where does their ceiling lie? And you said, oh, I'm still not sure. So they did win, Tom. Where does their ceiling lie? Well, I think finals is definitely on the table. I still don't... I'm still hard-seeing hard top four. Um, I'll have to, I have to play against a West Coast or a Port or a, a Bulldogs to view, to have a full grasp on that. Um... But I'm prepared. I am not booking any holidays in September. Let's just say that. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not normally one to get that excited about teams. I think it's easy. I think it's... I'll rephrase. We have more information, I think, at this, at this point in the season to see which teams are going to be bad than we do which teams are going to be good. Um, so I think we can, you know, quite confidently rule out North Melbourne, the GWS... 
those kind of teams right now and say those teams are going nowhere that you know Fremantle maybe weren't as good as we hoped they would be so probably is the same with Hawthorne and um, Gold Coast um, but I always get a little bit hesitant about saying which teams are good but I'm genuinely on board with Sydney I think at the bare minimum <laughs> we're looking in top eight and quite really there's no reason why they shouldn't finish in the top four if they keep playing the way they're playing at the moment, which is a massive if, of course, but they're more than capable this side. Yeah, yeah, I think this year more than any, it's about the what's between, like what's in the players' heads on each day, and it's about that effort which we saw from the St Kilda and Essendon game. Okay, sorry, um, Alex, I have to bring down the mood today. Um, but I think I need to apologize. Um, I am going to address what we, what was said last week, but first I just want to say that this apology is sponsored by the 50 cent shave club. Get it in the club for your next birthday. Use the code 50 cent for 25% off. Okay. (sighs) Earlier in the week, we, uh, expressed some, Wait, I'm just going to need a a second. It's just been a hard week, you know, for my family, my friends, my ancestors who talked to me through the Shadow Realm. I'm just going to give me a second. (sighs) Earlier in the week, we expressed some views on AFL by Dummies that were not up to the standard of an AFL media-adjacent podcast. I just want to go out and say that as a community here, On AFL by Dummies headquarters, the whole crew, including me, Alex, and Leon Cameron, we sincerely apologize for any pain that we have caused for you all today. On behalf of the football media landscape, we want to be the first to say we are sorry. While there is an excuse for the rest of the AFL media um, in that they have to say controversial outlandish overcorrections in order to gain clicks, At AFL by Dummies headquarters, we don't have that luxury. We don't want to sit here and give excuses for our behaviour. But it was the environment of the football media at the time that made us do it. And if you just remember that you can choose to be mad at the thing that we said, it's not our fault, right? Um, um, Well said, Tom. I think you said it brilliantly. But I I am a little confused because you didn't actually say what you apologized for tom oh sorry um it was for saying that crips is slow and the game's gone past him wait not for the jokes about the mass shootings in america (laughs) no Uh, early on the week we wrote crips off and uh, he got you know 32 34 and 2 with 11 clearances and he showed us you can still be a six or four midfielder and still have an okay game (laughs) So you only thought it was okay, Tom. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 34-2 with 11 clearances is an okay game. Oh, no. Surely. Oh, no, Tom. We're just going to have to end up apologizing for this segment next week, aren't we? <laughs> it might be a regular occurrence. All right. Oh. It's now time for my bit of analysis, Tom. That was a good bit of work by you. Um, I'm not going to lie, Tom. I wanted to talk about this and kill the game all week. So here we are. We're going to talk about the Saints. <laughs> Um, the start of the year, all the talk was about how good the Saints were going to be at Marvel Stadium. You know, 
Fast, free-flowing, high-disposal, high-efficiency footy. Intense pressure that worked other people off the park. Experienced veterans combining with young stars to lead them to some great victories. And that's what we saw on the weekend. Yes, that's what we saw on the weekend. Um, <laughs> yes. They had 117 more disposals at 81% efficiency compared to their opponent's miserable 73% efficiency. 33 to 27 in the clearances, 41 more marks, 22 goals to 9 whilst kicking at an accuracy percentage at three times better than their opponents. Captain in the middle, <laughs> Steele, had 34, as did new signing Crouch, who was going to help stabilize the Saints inside. You know, that was a lot of the talk during the offseason, and they were right about that. He did. Key interceptor and distributor Dougal Howard had 35 as he won everything in the air on the halfback. Experienced key forwards memory kicked five goals too, whilst live wire small forward Dan Butler kicked three goals. Jake Carlisle, who we got from Essendon in recent times, ironically played a great game off halfback. 25 touches for him. And development from young draft picks, King and Clark, show the future. Um, so I thought it was an excellent performance by the boys. Great game. Um, the only thing that I've seemed to have, have a problem with is that in the media, uh, they seem to have made a mistake uh, because they got the jumpers the wrong way around, see? Uh, it was the kick clutch. Um, they, the interpretation of which team's jumper was which was wrong. Um, because it's red, white, and black v. red and black, it's very similar. So, you know, it was always going to be a difficult exercise. And they got it wrong this week, and that's fine. You know, I don't blame them. But just the praise on the Saints, I thought they were really good. Um, obviously, it wasn't all of those stats that went the other way around, because that would be ridiculous. That couldn't actually happen, Tom. That would be a joke. That's what that would be. <laughs> um, it wasn't It wasn't Zach Merritt, the captain of Essendon, that had 34 touches in the middle, nor was it Darcy Parrish instead of Brad Crouch that had 34 touches. Uh, it definitely wasn't um, Jordan Ridley instead of Dougal Howard, who had 35 on the halfback flank. It wasn't Kale Hooker instead of Tim Embry. Uh, it wasn't... Um, Anthony McDonald, Tippin Woody instead of Dan Butler. It wasn't uh, Nick Hind who had moved across from St Kilda to Essendon instead of Jay Carlisle that had 25 off the halfback flank. <laughs> and it wasn't the young development of Cox and Jones and Perkins that we saw instead of the development of King and Clark. Now, I think the media is wrong, Tom. That's what I have learned this week. That's my bit of analysis. That all of the things that we saw in St Kilda, they definitely didn't happen to somebody else this week. And they definitely aren't the St Kilda that I thought they would be, Tom. Uh, <laughs> sounds like you got an axe to grind, Alex. I don't have an axe to grind, Tom. I don't have an axe to grind. That's my valuable bit of analysis for this week, that uh, the Saints are as good as we think they are. <laughs> West Coast next week. You, you, you trust them? You trust them? Is the media going to misreport that game too? Look, Tom, I, I might be just delusional. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? All right, Tom. I've been talking about this for weeks, both on and off air. It is time. It, it is time. There have been several things that have happened this week that have just grinded my gears. And we need to address them in the reprise of an old segment, an old favorite. It's the return of punching down. This is punching down. There was much conjecture during this week about whether North Melbourne deserved their Good Friday fixture on the back of poor recent performances. Representative and fans of the club 
argued that for the club to make money, they need to be continually given these marquee fixtures. This would help raise funds as they attempt to improve their current weak financial position. All the players needed to do was be competitive against a rampaging bulldog side, and they managed it for about 43 minutes. At the 13th minute mark of the second quarter, the Kangaroos trailed by 13 points. They then conceded the next 12 goals and 20 of the next 22 goals for a final siren margin of 128 points, the most since Geelong humiliated Fremantle by 133 in 2018. It was embarrassing for a North Melbourne side desperate for, above everything else, legitimacy. Instead of winning the footy, they're winning the Melbourne to Hobart, because if they keep losing like that, Hobart is where they'll be in five years' time. Via the quietest press release, since the US admitted there was no WMDs, the AFL announced that round two was Toyota good for footy round. It was so quiet that us here at AFL by Dummies missed it last week. If, like us, you were also unaware, round two was to celebrate Toyota's contribution to Australian football from grassroots to the elite level. Now, after Alex Star stopped celebrating that his wild conspiracy theory that brands have infiltrated the game was true, we have a wild exclusive for you all. Round 4 is sponsored by popular MMORPG World of Tanks. This is in anticipation for Geelong star Patrick Dangerfield as his contribution to running people over is arguably the best that's ever been. And if he gets suspended again, the TAC will be next in line to sponsor his return. Round 13 will be sponsored by the upcoming release of yet another Friday the 13th film, in which the lack of any interesting games will be blamed on ghosts haunting empty stadiums. And screw it, why not let Taliban sponsor the AFLW Grand Final, given they have so much respect for women in sport as most Australian men? In a week of big margins and insipid performances, St Kilda was undeniably the most disappointing team of them all. Why? Because we actually all thought they were good. Life is about expectations, as is footy. The Saints finished sixth last year, and there were expectations set by the club that this team was capable of the top four, and even potentially, the Premiership. And that's why this was more disappointing than North. Because North suck. But I honestly believe that the Saints didn't. The Saints lost the disposal count by 117 and yet somehow still lost the tackle count by 22, laying an insipid 32 tackles. And not against West Coast or the Bulldogs, as some teams struggled this week, but against a bunch of kids. Now their next three weeks are against West Coast, Port Adelaide and Richmond. And if they lose those three games, then they will be one and five. And then they suck too. A lot of swings in that round, Tom. A lot of swings. Did you feel like any of them connected? Yeah, the obviously the St Kilda one struck a chord. You can hear the voice, <laughs> the voice of someone who has been constantly disappointed by their football club. Um, and uh, obviously, I can't relate, um, <laughs> but. Um, you can uh, you can sympathise. You can sympathise. Yeah, there's an obvious lack of premierships in my voice that isn't apparent in yours, is there? <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a, 
<laughs> yeah. Let's just say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. You know, two, two years was enough time on the sidelines. Um, and now I'm happy that we're in the hunt for a premiership um, or, you know, finals berth. And uh, versus you guys who, you know, was, this is supposed to be you being good. And, <laughs> and you can't you even get that to work. <laughs> Liz Essendon by 75. Um, but also, we all missed the Toyota round. Um, I still think that that is a bit ridiculous and gone under the radar a bit. Um, how did you see that unfold? I, I guess nobody really saw it. Um, it it sounds like Toyota wanted it in 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 their so put it in their contract in like tiny little writing, and the AFL just sort of found it and were forced to do to do it and uh, nobody and made sure nobody saw it. Yeah, I think we, when we were researching this, found out that the AFL didn't even make a big deal out of this. They just buried it in one press release and a story on the AFLW website. And that was it. And I think that goes you, that gives you an example of the shame that the AFL actually feel about this. <laughs> in that in a world we have in which we have all these excellent matches for depression, Maddie's match, um, the Swans v Sydney game like uh sorry this one's recent killer game um uh the indigenous round there is so much to be excited for and putting toyota round on the same pyre of that i think is actually an insult to everything else um so there's a little there's a little bit of bonus punching down for you even after the segment is done All right, Tom. Now, I mentioned in my bit of analysis this week that uh, my analysis in somewhat was a joke. And um, (laughs) to maintain that format to this week, Tom, my joke is actually um, a bit of fun analysis for you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this week, we're going to have some fun sound effects now. My analysis is trivia for you, Tom. Let's see how you do, shall we? No pressure. I'm oh, no. putting you completely on the spot with this. You've had no preparation. You have no idea what the None. questions are going to be about. And now every yep. single person is going to judge you if you don't get all of the questions correct. <laughs> okay. Let's do this. All right, Tom. There are three AFL captains who are Ruckman. Name them. Uh, Wits. Jared Wits. Um... Big Boy McAvoy, and oh my word, who's the third one? Um, oh no. Ooh, and that's you're out of time now, Tom. Now, if you get it at home, please make sure you play along. Max Gorn was the last correct answer. Maxie. Oh Maxie. my god, that is horrific that I didn't get that. That's I'm pretty so disappointing, sorry, Tom. Max. That is so disappointing, Max. If you are listening, you're a great player. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I forgot about he you. He was especially excellent on the weekend. Uh, the Saints yeah. have five players named Jack playing on the weekend. What are their last names? Billings, Loney. Um... Is, is, is Steele's first name Jack? <laughs> yes, it is, Tom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Billings, Looney, Steele. So, there's two more. Um, 
There were five? There are five just on the weekend. There's another one on the list, but I didn't expect you to get him. Billings, Lonely I'm going to give you five uh, more seconds. No, nah, I can't think of the other two. The last two are Jack Sinclair and Jack yep. Higgins. Ah, the, the new recruit. Yeah. Who rucked the last quarter for Gold Coast on the weekend after Jared Witts did his ACL? <laughs> You're not going to go this. <laughs> was it Ben King? It was not Ben King. It was Chris Burgess, the tall defender. Right. He with, might have to keep rucking. You yes. Know? Yes. With Zach Smith having done um, a season long injury as well. And their third choice ruckman, who's off the park for the next six weeks, I believe. Um, Gold Coast literally do not have a ruckman on their list. And so it will probably be Burgess who rucks again this weekend. The poor kid. Oh my god. Alright, next question. Four interstate teams currently sit in the top eight. Name them. Sydney, Port, West Coast, and um Adelaide. Correct. Well done, Tom. Eight players had six or more scores on the weekend. Name them. Tex. Bruce. Harry Mackay, uh, um, the Essendon dude. <laughs> yeah, who was it, Tom? It definitely wasn't Tim Memory. <laughs> it wasn't Tim Memory, the other one. I forgot his <laughs> name. His name blanked on me. Um, he kicked four goals too. I know what he kicked. Four goals too, but whatever. <laughs> you Five can't even get two. that part right. <laughs> oh my God. What What is his name? Heppel and... No, Hurley and the other one. Hurley and the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a great... It's Hurley, Heppel, it's a... Hurley, Heppel and the other yeah. one. It's a great 90s punk That's band. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not Carlisle. So, they left. even besides him, there were still four other players, Tom. Can you get any of them? That kick... Uh, did Trelaw kick 3-3? Three, three? No, Trelaw kick 3 straight. 3 straight. Um, right. Who kicked? Perhaps I didn't kick two behinds. Or maybe he... No, I don't think so. I was there. I don't remember him kicking two behinds. Oh, my God. Who else wouldn't have been? Tom, I'm going to have to ask you to hurry up. I have no idea. All right. 3-3 three, three for Danaher. Yeah, Joey. 10-2 for Josh Bruce. 6-3 for for the Texan. Yeah. 3-3 for Tom Lynch against Sydney. Oh, really? 5-2 for Kale Hooker. Kale Hooker. Hooker and Hurley. Heppel Hooker and the other one. Um, Heppel Hooker and the other one. 7-5 for Harry Mackay. H-Dog. 5-2 for Toby Green. And the only yes, one... forgot about terms. And the only one to not end with a positive score sheet. Two goals, four for Tom Hawkins. <laughs> wow, that would have been costly if they lost. All right. Six current AFL players have kicked 10 goals in a game. Who are they? Uh, Josh Kennedy. Yep. Buddy Franklin. Yep. Josh Bruce. Yep. How many did you say? Six. Three more. 
So there's three more ten, three more kick ten, Jack. Yep. Very well. Um, who's got ten? So two more. Has Tex got ten before? Tex is not on the list. No, he hasn't got ten. Interesting. Um, it's got to be some weird ones, right? Who am I missing? You are missing Tom Lynch. What team? But not really. Lynch kicks but ten. Not Richmond. No. Tom Lynch. Adelaide. Tom Lynch. Adelaide. Tom- Famously oh, kicks no, ten goals in a match. And Ben Brown. Not kidding. Not ben kidding. Brown has kicked ten goals in a match. Uh yeah. I haven't seen him play. Not on my mind. Of course. Two current AFL players have the most games for their club. Who are they? Sean, no. Most games for their club. He wouldn't have. Not most games total. Um, on the current lists. On current lists. Tra- Travis Boak. Incorrect. The really? Port Adelaide oh. record games holder, you would know, Tom, if you watched. Oh, it's Kane Corns. It's Kane Corns. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I knew. That. I did know Literally that. the <laughs> only brag he ever has. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't he in the premiership side? I think so. So maybe that too. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, huh. The games. Ah, oh, it'll be some Gold Coast schmo. Ooh. Yeah, it'll be some Gold, but I don't know who. Um, who's been there? Maybe someone like Witsy. Has Wits, has Wits got the record? No, the correct answer is Jared Harbrow has the most games Harbrow. for Gold Coast. And then Scott Pendlebury yeah, yeah. is the games holder for Collingwood. Ah, oh, he just, that's right. He broke the the the, Shaw, um, the Shaw's dad, the, the older Shaw, last, uh, a few years ago. Here's a very gettable one for you, Tom. Which current AFL player holds the record for the most disposals in a game? Tom Mitchell with 54. Correct. Well done. That gets you one back on the board. <laughs> Who leads the league for clearances this season? Ah. Oh, um, is it, is it uh, Callum Mills? It is not Callum Mills. It's Tom Libertore. Libba. Libba, who's right. had an excellent start to the season. And of course, Tom, yeah. I have not managed to get through a round without bringing this stat up. The Saints had 32 tackles on the weekend, but it wasn't the lowest recorded by a Saints team ever. What is? <laughs> the 2010 Grand Final replay. Ouch. I wasn't asking for the specific <laughs> game. What is the lowest number of tackles uh, a St. Kilda team has ever recorded? Uh, Twenty. It was probably 27, something around then. You're not actually going to believe this. Six. No, that's not no, right. It's, when? In like 1907? No, in, in the 1980s, there was a period where St. Kilda were particularly bad at tackling. They hold yeah. the record for the lowest tackles in a game, equal with themselves and Sydney, for six tackles in a match. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is... <laughs> oh my God. My joke this week... <laughs> that's brutal. My joke this week is a piece of analysis so ridiculous it's actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> that one is funny Alright Tom, you're up, what have you got? Alright, this is a quick one um, I just wanted to talk about 
the scoring at will. So there's a new stat that I saw on the weekend called uh, disposals per goal. Um, and I just wanted to run through it with you. So I've got in front of me the top seven, um, and which are the Lions and or Lions and Bulldogs equal at 26.6 disposals per goal. The Eagles just above with the 26.5. The Bombers with 26.4. The Power at 25.2. The Crows at 25. And the Swans at 20.9. So that shows the uh, power that the Swans have. Um, It was another interesting stat about the Swans in that they... Their kicks are the longest when they're inside 50. So on kick-ins and um, intercepts, when they're inside 50, their kicks go longer than anyone else in the competition. But when they're outside 50 and they win off the turnover, their kicks are the shortest of any any team in the competition. Um, so this is all done by the new, all done because of the new rule. Um, now this sparks a lot of questions about the current season and whether sides will now try to emulate that in the sense of, you know, in kick-ins and intercepts go long um, and try and get it out of their defensive 50 through distance, which hasn't been always the case. Um, and when they win off the turnover and um, uh, in the middle of the ground, try and go short to retain possession and get get that 45 kick on the inside and then go fast. Yeah, on that, from the long kicks from the goal square, I think one of the biggest uh, strengths Sydney have this season is using Jordan Dawson that way. He's been very effective in gaining them a lot of territory, but still with accurate kicking. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple of them. I was at, at the game on Saturday where... The Richmond would score a point. Dawson would go go up, or sometimes Lloyd, and they would like go right up to that. I think is it is it twenty meters now? Yeah, so it's fifteen meters from the goal square, which is now twenty four meters out. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, so we'd go to about twenty meters out, and then bomb it straight or slightly askew. So in the center square, either to the left or to the right of the center circle. Um, and if you've got, you know, Buddy and Reed Hickey um, or McLean, if he's there, um, the ability to bring it to ground and, get, and then force force a contest and beat them back to goal is very reminiscent of Adelaide in 2017, um, which is interesting because they have a higher dump pike as their assistant coach. Um, so... The question will then become, um, will the new rule inspire a draft class of, you know, incredible kickers and distance kickers and kickers with accuracy, Um, much like Hawthorne did in the early 2000s. They drafted heaps of people that could kick on both sides of the feet and heaps of left footers. If you're unaware, they really, really love left footers. It's something to do with analytics. They're just a better kick for go- a better kick in general, apparently. 
Um, and that was the one of the recipes or ingredients for their uh, three triple premierships. Uh, yeah, with Sam Mitchell being one of the most famous of them for those that could kick on both feet. One of my favourite things he ever did was watching him drop the ball with his left hand onto his right foot to kick a ball, which was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, very impressive. Um, a nice bit of analysis from you there, Tom. Um, I reckon we'll give you the point this week. I think just for the, in uh, particular for the apology. I thought the apology was was excellent. You know, it covered all. We of had our, to. We had to do yeah. it, Alex. We were getting we we're getting flack yeah. on on all all social medias. You know, threatened of being cancelled. We had to apologize. Yes. It's just Mark Robinson in particular came after such established members of the media as ourselves for going too hard <laughs> on Patrick Cripps. <laughs> Love Robo. All right, we move on to our tips now, which is for another exciting week of football. Sydney hosting Essendon on Thursday night. Your boys looking for four in a row, Tom. Surely they'll get this one done. Yeah, surely. Buddy's back on the SCG against Essendon. You know, um, they do. Do they have a matchup for him? Will Hooker go? Will Hooker move back and play on him? Because I. Can't see anyone else playing him. It could have a field day, to be honest. Um, but Essendon are lively up and about, and they will put in effort. Um, but I think we'll be comfortable four to five, four to five goal winners in that one. They've been better recently, Essendon, but I will still mm-hmm. be backing in Sydney. Same. The, probably the most exciting game of the round is the preliminary final replay. Port Adelaide versus Richmond on Friday night. This could go anywhere. Which way are you leaning, Tom? Uh, it, it, I, I just think that Port have more to be inspired by in the sense that they are angry that they lost last year. On the Adelaide Oval, lost by five points. They had all the play with about five minutes to go and couldn't get a mark inside 50, um, if you remember, in the prelim last year. Um, so I'm I'm saying Port has more m- more ability to be inspired and go out hungry against the Tigers and the Tigers I think will lose two in a row which I don't know if that's happened since uh, 2019 uh, since 20, uh, 2018. Uh, I think there was a period last year after they lost to Hawthorne and St Kilda where they were like three yeah, three and five right. or something, I think at one point last season. Mm. Or maybe not that bad, maybe about three and four. Because, yeah, in 2018, they were outside the eight halfway through the season mm. and then didn't lose. It's a very Richmond thing to do. Um, oh, geez, this could really go either way. I, I backed against Port Adelaide last week and it worked for me. Um, mm-hmm. All of the things you're saying about Port Adelaide coming back with a vengeance is... Doubly so for Richmond. So I think it'll probably be Richmond in that game. Now, the Bulldogs look just about unbeatable at the moment versus the Brisbane Lions side mm-hmm. that maybe we're just starting to see get back to normal up in Ballarat at Mars Stadium. Do you think that's a home ground advantage for the Bulldogs? Yeah, I do think it is a home ground advantage to start. Um, th- there's quite a few interesting storylines to this game. Um, the most interesting one is that, um, Bulldogs key defender Gardner went down with an injury last week. Um, and I don't think he'll be able to get back up for this game. 
so they don't really have any tall one-on-one defenders to go with Hipwood and Joey. I think Keith, Keith um, is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe they've got one. So there is the up the ability for Brisbane if the if they win enough of the ball to dominate the high mark high mark and lead up kick. Um, however, I don't just don't think they're going to get enough of the ball. Um, I think Bulldogs will uh, dominate the inside and outside game in the midfield, and uh, they'll kick a winning score. So I'm tipping Bulldogs. Yeah, I think the midfield battle is going to be the most interesting part of it. This Bulldog side, which cannot seem to break stride in the middle of the ground. You know, their midfield is so dominant. Versus Lockie Neal, who hasn't hit anywhere near his best this season. Neither has the likes of Hugh McCluggage, Zorko and Lyons. Mm. Uh, I want to have faith in the Lions. And I did last week. And again, it worked for me. But mm-hmm. I just think the Bulldogs are a bit too strong at the moment. Though I know I know this is going to be one of those games where I regret it. Like, I can just feel it now. Um <laughs> On Saturday afternoon in the same slot again, Essendon, sorry, St. Kilda. St. Kilda, I can't, I can't <laughs> tell those teams apart sometimes, is hosting West Coast, this West Coast side that looked so impressive last week, but now without Luke Shuey, can they even lose this game, West Coast, Tom? Nah, so Rowan Marshall played three quarters in the VFL side. Um... So he'll be he he might be ready for this week. If they if they still go with no Ruckman, it's over. It is so over. Um, because uh, Paddy Ryder, uh, Paddy Ryder has I think he's been confirmed that he won't play this week. He's at the club, but I don't think he'll yep. play. Um, that's what's been reported. So it's a question of whether Marshall is ready for AFL standard. Uh, at the moment. But at all signs point to no Ruckman, they're going to get absolutely wrecked. So I'm tipping West Coast. McKernan got beaten by Peter Wright last week, who isn't even a Ruckman. <laughs> He's a tall forward who stood there. <laughs> Two metre feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Marshall doesn't play, this will be a lot of points. If Marshall does mm-hmm. play, maybe we'll lose by not that much. That's my best summary. So mm-hmm. West Coast. Um, Gold Coast v. Carlton in a battle for two teams hoping to keep their seasons alive. The loser goes one and three. And at that point, geez, it's pretty hard to come back from. Uh, who do you think will win this one, Tom? No. Oh, they don't particularly have a ruck-dominant Carlton, so they might not be able to exploit their... The Gold Coast, you know, lack of Ruckman in general. Um, but Cripps looked angry on the weekend. Um, so I think, I think I'm think i tipping Carlton. I have no faith in them. But I think Carlton should, should win this game. I have no idea. That's how I'm going to put it. Uh, last week, if you'd asked me, I would have said Gold Coast. But without a Ruckman, they look... I mean, we've seen what it's done to teams this season. Brisbane and St Kilda are two, what we thought were pretty decent teams that have lost games literally because they didn't have a Ruckman. Brisbane almost lost the game on the weekend after they had four hitouts, Tom. Four hitouts. But then there's Carlton. And are Carlton famous for punishing teams? Not really. Um, Not really, no. Gold Coast, on a limb. No idea why, just because they said so. 
Collingwood GWS, the other game on Saturday night, Tom. Oh, Collingwood. It's against a development squad. It's like a it's equivalent of like Chelsea versus Ajax. <laughs> I think worse than that. I think if you're a football fan, the comparison is uh uh Vitesse, the the Belgian side that they send all their <laughs> loan players to. Um <laughs> it's it's actually a sad story, but you know, they did very well and we say goodbye to their premiership window. And now we look towards uh, them playing the kids, right? Yeah, this will be another game of that. Collingwood for me as well. Uh, North Melbourne, at the start of the season, would have earmarked their game against Adelaide at Marvel Stadium as just about the only game they could win all season. Now they're coming against the Texan, who's kicked 17 in three games, and suddenly they wouldn't be feeling so confident off the back of their 128-point loss. Can they get their first win, Tom? No. <laughs> I love your hope and optimism. <laughs> Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide for me too. <laughs> that was all just that was all just for the sake of trying to create some drama around this game. This will probably be one of those games that just halfway through everyone just switches off. Mm-hmm. Melbourne Geelong. This game, on the other hand, a Melbourne side that oh. maybe is actually pretty good versus a Geelong side that yeah. Tom, we talked about this last week, my tip on the Geelong Hawthorne game, and I was so freaking close, so close, (laughs) it made me so sad. Um, But I think, in in a lot of ways, despite losing the tip, that I am vindicated that this Geelong side is still not very good. Uh, Maybe they might turn out to be very good, but this is one of the worst two-in-one sides I've seen in a while. Yeah, they're they're looking slow and old, um, and they not not just old in age, but old in game style. Um, oh, so I I actually I'm not I'm not entirely sure who to tip. Where's it being played? At the MCG. Oh, they've played a few good games. In the past few years, um, do I have faith in Melbourne to go four and zero? That's the question. That is the question. I'm saying yes. All right, let's tip Melbourne. Let's go for it. Four and zero. The hype is real. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm still not sure the hype is actually real, but I think the hype, the hype is real <laughs> enough to beat you That's what I say. Yeah, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. So I'll be tipping Melbourne as well. We're both backing the upset there as the bookies have Geelong as the favourites. Our final game, Fremantle Hawthorne over in Perth. Uh, Fremantle should get Nat Fife back after their horrible performance against Carlton. And Hawthorne pushing Geelong to the absolute edge. Can they do it again, the Hawks? I'm making a call that Frio go undefeated at Optus and lose every game <laughs> away from Optus. I really want that to happen. I, I just think it would be the funniest thing because it's uncoachable. Like, how do you coach coach winning outside of them if you cannot win? <laughs> um, so I'm tipping Freo. Um, Fremantle were really bad for anyone that got them on the weekend. They were really bad. And the Hawks were actually pretty good. But this is in Perth, and the Hawks can't play well two weeks in a row, and Fremantle notoriously play well every second week, so I'm with you. I'm tipping Fremantle. 
Um, <laughs> with our tips in the current situation, you led the first round after by three, I believe, Tom. And then we tied in round two. And then you won last week by one on that dreaded Geelong Hawthorne game being the difference. So you're now up by yeah, that's four. Your fault. Which is, that's, that's yeah. I may as well give up. I'm not very good at this. Speaking of things I'm not very good at, Tom, it's time for my super coach tip of the week. <laughs> this segment has notoriously gone badly and it will continue to do so. Dom Tyson was dropped for his game on the weekend. <laughs> Just further vindicating that selection. Uh, Jack Lukosius, having started the season well with 200 plus scores, scored 60 on the weekend, going well. Travis Boak did actually do all right, scored over 100 in a losing side, which is a good sign for the rest of his season. This week, I'm going a little different, and I'm going with a guy who managed 150 points in a losing side, and that's Jack Siebel, who's playing off the halfback flank for North Melbourne, and just with the amount of ball that's going into North Melbourne's back line, he gets so much of it. He's only at 341k this week. Um, he moved up 80k last week. This is probably your last opportunity to get in on him whilst he's still relatively cheap. So make the move now for Jack Siebel. Tom, you've been better than this than I have. Tell me, what's your Supergoach tip? <laughs> That's saying a lot. <laughs> um, if your bench doesn't just look like Sydney, all Sydney, <laughs> then you're doing it wrong. That's my tip. Should be Wicks, Warner, Goulden, Logan, Braden Campbell on your bench or on yeah, the field. Yeah, I was going to say, Tom, if you're doing it right, all those players yeah. are on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, we are ending the show. Um, go follow us on Facebook and Insta. Um, um, we are posting on Insta, you know, bits and pieces that we find funny on the internet about AFL, um, hopefully uh, more regularly than we currently am. Um, but, yeah, check us a follow there, and uh, updates for the show will be on Facebook as well. Um, I'm Tom Kreiser. My name's Alex Henry. And uh, go Swans. Don't go the Saints. <laughs>